Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, December 18th, 2018. Coming up, if you think robots are stiff sets of gears and levers, it's time to start envisioning robotic muscles made of soft materials, similar to our own human muscles. Our guest will be CU Boulder scientists who are making soft robotic muscles a reality. Stay tuned. This year marks a new era in robotics that involves creating materials that go beyond gears and levers and evolve into powerful components that are much softer and more muscular. These softer and more muscular materials may someday soon help build more human-like prosthetic limbs for amputees or help a harvesting machine pluck ripe strawberries without squashing them. The technology for these robotic muscles comes from CU Boulder's College of Engineering and Applied Science, in particular, the lab of Christoph Keplinger. Professor Keplinger is in Austria right now, but he recommended two of his PhD students who have been helping to develop these robotic muscles. They're here with us in the studio right now. They are Nick Kolaris and Shane Mitchell. Nick and Shane, welcome to KGNU. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Shelley. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and let's talk a little bit. Let's, before we talk about your kind of revolutionary idea for how to make soft robotic muscles. Let's talk about regular robots to start with. When you think about current robots today, what comes to mind for me are Roombas and C-3PO in movies. What, what other kind of robots are there today? I mean, uh, there aren't really a whole lot of other versatile or uh, commercial robots. That's one of the big issues. So you mentioned Roomba as sort of an example of you know, uh, why of how robots aren't advanced right now, right? And ironically, Roomba is actually by far the most successful commercial robot out there. But all it does is one thing, and that's exactly why it's so successful, is because robots right now aren't versatile. They aren't multifunctional. They're not good at interacting with sort of our built environment. Well, that's right. Nick, Nick Kolaris, it's, it's as though Roombas are basically a machine that has some intelligent sensors in it. And what it can do is roll and vacuum like a vacuum cleaner, except it has a little bit more artificial brains. But in terms of being more capable than that, it's really not. It's not. Yeah. And, and then how about this, Shane Mitchell, how about the kind of robot that's being developed by DARPA, that very fancy place that the Department of Defense keeps together, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency that makes the Atlas Project and robots that can do backflips? Yeah, yeah. So in uh, 2015, DARPA had a robotics challenge um, where they invited maybe like 10 uh, research groups across the world to come in and, and basically show off their humanoid robot. Um, and ultimately, the group that won, uh, the robot was called Hubo, and they had to do all sorts of different challenges like uh, get in and out of a car, turn a, a, a big valve, um, walk upstairs. That sort of thing. That all sounds pretty impressive. Was it as impressive as it looked in the movies and the films of these things? <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately not. Um, ultimately, the robots that they used there were just very slow. Um, so to get out of a car, uh, the, the robot that won actually took several minutes to get out of a car. And you can think of in the morning, if you're in a rush, it takes 
a few seconds of that to get out of a car. That, that reminds me just how marvelous our own human machines are yeah. and the way that we move and how we do things and how we sense things. We really are a remarkable object as are most other creatures and living things and robotics hasn't caught up with us yet. Not even Quite, close. Yeah. Not even close. Well, what are some of the other things that are missing in these robots today? You've been talking about the way that they're stiff, they depend on gears and parts. Mm -hmm. They really can't, they can't pluck a strawberry, can they? No, not, not without not well. damaging the strawberry. And, yeah. and then you have also mentioned that they're not inexpensive. Yeah, for sure. Um, ultimately, most robots today are made out of metal, um, whether that be their metal housing or the, the copper wire that, that makes up their motors. Um, and ultimately, metal is, especially when it's uh, finely crafted and, and put into a, uh, an expensive component, um, it, it's never really very cheap. All right, so we've been talking about the present state of robots, which is just not as exciting as we all want it to be. It's not up to the movies and making a data kind of robot that's really humanoid or anything like that yet. But what we do have is our human bodies to compare to. Mm -hmm. And with us now is our news director, Maeve Conran, who's going to help us with a demonstration we're going to do of our own muscles. Actually, your muscles, gentlemen. <laughs> um, it's because in our human bodies, I looked this up on Wikipedia, we had these two things called actin and myosin. They're proteins that help contract and pull our muscles. So if you don't mind, Maeve, would you be so kind as to get around to these two PhD candidates, these two PhD students, and can you each kind of make a, show your biceps. Right, let's do this. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done this before, so I don't know what I'm okay. Very strong muscles here. So, so th You're contracted them, right? So they're really hard. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But if you didn't do that, then they're soft. Then they're, and they're and soft and compliant, and right? Compliant, yep. Adaptable. Very adaptable. Another word. So, so when you felt their muscles, first of all, they had good muscles. Yes. Yes, they did. Thanks. And then the other part is that you actually could feel something changing. Yes, you could feel tensing or hardening. I'm not sure what the accurate medical or biological term for that, but you could feel it getting hard when they contract it. Isn't that what you're doing? You're contracting your muscle. So. And, and so anybody who's listening, um, if you're driving your car, we don't ask you to do this. Keep both hands on the car's steering wheel. But anybody else, you, just try it right now. Just stop what you're doing for a second. Make that Popeye kind of muscle where you feel your bicep and feel it. It's different when you contract it and when you stretch it out. Very different. And you both, as the student, the, the folks who are developing this new soft robotic muscle tissue, you're nodding your heads mm -hmm. because your stuff does this too now. Yeah. Okay, you, you brought it here into the studio, your, your, yeah. little, your little devices. And yeah, thank you, Mae. Thanks for helping us with the demo of human muscles. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's look at your robotic muscles. You have something here that's smaller than a coaster for like coffee. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just this little... It looks like clear plastic baggies all put together. Here, I'll hold one right now. It's squishy, and I can hold it in the palm of my hand. And there's several layers. It feels like you've got six or seven little squishy, little tiny bags in here. Yeah, 11 of them, actually. Okay, yeah. so um, Shane Mitchell, you just said that there's 11 little bags mm -hmm. in this thing that's no bigger than about, I would say, 20 cards, like from a deck of cards. Yeah. And it's just squishy because it's got 11 little flat bags. What's in these bags? Uh, oil, actually. So it can be pretty much any type of oil. We've used olive oil, vegetable oil. Oh. Um, it just has to not conduct electricity. Okay, so it's oil. Is it like hydraulic oil that's used like in uh, big 
heavy equipment that's used and has hydraulic lifts and levers and things in it? So hydraulic oil um, can be actually kind of conductive, so not specifically that, um, but oh, what so, you can... So we, when you say conductive, you mean that hydraulic oil actually can take an electric current and it can travel through it, and your specifically does not do that. Exactly. So okay. what you can uh, imagine, um, transformers, like commercial transformers, uh -huh. they use transformer oil. That's actually what's in there. That's a vegetable-based transformer oil. You could eat it if you really wanted to. <laughs> you could eat this. Shane Mitchell, you say that you could eat it. Nick Kolaris, you say that it's something that's used in high tech, and it's vegan. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> all right. So we have this little thing that all I can notice right now is that it's squishy. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, big deal, quite honest. No offense. But <laughs> it doesn't seem like very much, although in our muscles that we were testing when we were doing the muscle thing and the biceps, um, there's a lot of little tiny fibers that help our muscles do very powerful things. Yeah. And is this kind of analogous? So um, the actual way that these work is pretty different, but the end function's the same. So the easiest way, um, maybe for everyone listening to understand how these work, is they're essentially, they're plastic bags. The, the material we're using here is literally what uh, potato chip bags are made out of, polypropylene. So plastic bags that we fill with this oil, uh -huh. and then we just put some electrical conductors on the outside. And when we apply a high voltage, we put a bunch of positive charges on one of the conductors, on one of the electrodes. We put a negative, uh, sorry, positive charges on one, negative charges on the other electrode. Positive and negative charges are going to attract. They're going to pull together. And when they attract, they're going to squish the oil out of the way that's between them, push that to a different part of this plastic bag and cause the whole thing to change shape. So you're going to make it change shape, which is what our muscles do. Our muscle yep, fibers exactly. actually change shape. And when they all change shape together, that lets us move our fingers, uh, turn our eyes in different directions, mm -hmm. yep. use our mouths to talk at microphones, uh, do Popeye kind of muscles. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're talking about this. Let me see you do this because you have one on your side of the table there. And I want to see you do this. Just a sec. I want to get where I can see. <laughs> okay, so Shane, will show Shane Mitchell, you have just a little tiny... Um, Oh my gosh, you've got the same thing that was as small as 20 decks of cards and all of a sudden it's twice. The, uh, it's like two decks of cards yep. all together as, as opposed to 20 cards from a single deck. Yep. That's like tripling in size and you can make it do that up and down very quickly just by adding electrical current. Yep. Yeah, basically, um, so uh, as Nick said, the, the basic structure of these things really allows you to get... Um, a lot of different deformations and, and by that I mean you can make devices that expand or contract even curl and bend and twist. Um, the ones we have here, the, the one that I'm, I'm currently showing is actually expanding and in doing so it about doubles its initial uh, height um, when it's activated and you can control how fast it does that and, uh, and uh, to what extent um, with just the application of, of electricity. We're just talking about little tiny things here, but how strong can it be if you put enough of these together? Yeah, it depends on the design. Um, the some of the actuator, uh, some of the soft artificial muscles that we have um, that that contract um, are are very strong. Um, they probably the the maximum that they can lift is around um, maybe forty pounds. Um, for for one of them, you, um, you mean for one of them that's no bigger than what I have in my hand right now. This little tiny disc yeah. that's you know it fits in the palm of my hand. 
Okay, so, you know, like if I was in a CrossFit competition <laughs> and I wanted to get some extra power, if I wore a suit made of these things, could I maybe lift a thousand pounds? That's our goal one day. One day, We're, we're working yeah. on making them stronger at the moment. Uh -huh. um, so at, right now they're not, like natural muscle is amazing. It's, it's incredibly versatile. It's incredibly strong, adaptable. Um, we're not there yet in terms of the performance, uh, but we have ways to get there and actually uh, surpass it. Well, before we get to the surpassing part, which is what we all want, mm -hmm. let's just talk a few technical details. Mm -hmm. Our muscles, you we were talking about this earlier, um, muscles generally, once our food is in our bloodstream and it gets into our cells and it's calories that are being ready to do something, turning calories into actual work, it's about 30% efficient, you think? Yeah, yeah, the, the muscles themselves are, are basically whatever you give them, they'll turn 30% of that energy into useful motion. Now, when I first heard this, I felt a little disappointed because <laughs> you'd want it all to go into useful energy. You don't right. want it to be wasted in any way or be stored as fat. You just want it to be energy. But on the other hand, that's about how efficient any machine is. Like a car that's operating and moving forward, about 30% yep. of the energy that's put into that motor is going into moving the wheels. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of... It's pretty close, yeah. That's that's where everybody wants to be is around 30%. You're doing good. Yep. 30% gets you really far. And fortunately, that's right around where we are right now. So. Wait a second. With these little things that look like little soft potato chips here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, surprisingly, yeah. Yeah, these, these, these have 30% efficiency for any job that you're giving them right now. Yep, more or less. Are they expensive? No. So uh, what's great about being able to use these materials, these are made out of... Uh, potato chip bags filled with vegetable oil uh, and then we put some conductors on the outside and so overall uh, that stack you're holding right there probably costs maybe 50 cents in materials and that's uh, that was for what we could do in the lab it'd go down to pennies if you were to produce these uh, on a large scale now Nick Calaris this is plastic and it's fluid I'm guessing that it could break pretty easily it can break. Um, they're surprisingly resilient. Uh, one of the ideas with soft robotics, which is the field that we work in, is that you're sacrificing some of that raw sort of strength um, in the materials for this compliance. So, you know, if you have a DC motor powering a metal robot, that robot itself is going to be very strong, but you're kind of overshooting the goal there. If you're going to have that robot interacting with a person, maybe a uh, um, you know, maybe Shane's grandmother who is helping her get around the house. Like you don't need all that strength. You want it more so to be compliant and adaptable so it doesn't damage its surroundings, right? And yet, even though you say that these are not as strong as metal parts, metal parts do break. And one of they the do. challenges with robotics right now is that the joints are the most prone to break parts. Well, it's kind of true in people too. Mm -hmm. but, but, in, but in joints, that some of the motions that are needed to actually do work are so easily damaged mm -hmm. that once, once you damage it, the whole thing stops. If you have a whole packet of these little um, wafers, these, mm -hmm. these expandable soft wafers, and one of them breaks, does that mean the whole piece is broken? Uh, not necessarily, no. Um, we basically are, are, have made efforts to, to make these uh, 
artificial muscles modular, so if one does break, you can sort of just remove that one and put another one in to restore the functionality. The um, presentations that have been given by your team have indicated that actually the amount of motion that one of these can handle, the amount of work it can do before it tends to break is pretty remarkable. That uh, What are some of the tests that you've done to... Yeah, we've had um, some of these devices last over a million cycles. A million um, is a big number. Million's pretty big. Yeah, we're, we're shooting for now ten million, um, but a, a million is the most we've we've ever gotten. And that definitely depends on the specific materials you use and what sort of um, driving conditions uh, you you operate this thing at. Um, but that's similar for for uh, all traditional robotic components and even our muscles themselves. In our muscles, they can heal themselves. True. That kind of helps out because then you don't sure need to does. get a mechanic into, <laughs> unless unless it's a big bad break. Most of the time, your body can just go in and fix it themselves. Repair. Yeah. Repair. Yep. How about these little discs that can so, are soft and can expand so easily? They cannot uh, self-repair would be the term. Um, that's, again, one of the reasons that natural muscle is so amazing is that it can completely rebuild itself right um over time you're eventually the cells that are there will be entirely different than the cells that were originally there right they're continuously rebuilding themselves um our muscles have um we call them self-healing in the sense that if they fail from a little spark through them they can repair themselves that way they don't repair but they're fault tolerant you could call it now look at this. We've already blended artificial intelligence and robotics in us. You said our muscles, <laughs> and you mean you mean the muscles that you're making in this artificial robotic way, do have a way to deal with electrostatic, static basically things things that might damage a component and make it stop. They don't do that with yours because it can deal with extra surges in electricity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, these these artificial muscles that we actually call hazel actuators. Um, what they do is they sort of blend some of the really popular soft uh, artificial muscle technologies out there. And in particular, one of those technologies works similarly with these uh, high voltages, but it's through rubber. And if you get this spark through it, the rubber burns and rips and fails. And so by incorporating this liquid in here, this liquid dielectric, this transformer oil, we get the ability to self-heal after one of those failures. So that definitely improves the resilience and lifetime of these muscles. Well, and, and these muscles means your artificial yes. robotic muscle tissues yes. that you're creating. Well, we have just about maybe seven minutes left, and let's use that to talk about how you're going from this really cool device that do that again with with that um that where you can make it with just a elect, little electric charge you can take this little flat sheet of of these discs and make it go up and down uh quite remarkable this this cu boulder invention it is an invention isn't it yeah. it is yeah you you even have a patent on it or some what what do yeah. you call it it's called a patent it it's is patent. yeah yeah we have a couple yeah. indeed where are you going to go with this, do you think, in terms of what, um, have you had anybody come to you and say, we would like to use your robotic muscle tissue fiber to help us make this? Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to have a, a couple companies and, and even just kind of uh, random hobbyists and inventors reach out to us and very curious about what we're doing, trying to get their, their hands on, on some of these things. And so 
so so you're saying here, Shane Mitchell, that one of the things that may happen is people are really excited about this as a very cool toy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was um, uh, about a year ago now, actually. We had um, a group of, I guess they were maybe third graders or fourth graders come into our lab and, and check out what we were doing. And they, uh, at the time, I had sort of a video game controller hooked up to operate some of these things, and they, they really loved that. Um, so that, that was kind of interesting to see that maybe uh, in the future they could be used in, in more sort of lifelike toys. Toys is one thing. And then another idea has been that this truly could be a device that could mean that machines could harvest strawberries. Yeah, yeah. Have you had people approach you about that kind of idea yet? Yeah, there are um, several companies that work in sort of the agricultural area for um, fruit picking. Um, and uh, same with pick and place, like in a, um, on a conveyor, conveyor for, yeah. you know, picking soft fruits that are ripe and so you can't damage them with these hard components. Um, there's definitely been interest in that. It's a, it's a big issue. We have to feed a growing population and there just aren't the workers there right now to do that. And that's a backbreaking job too. Yes, yeah, that's to a backbreaking mm -hmm. job, right? Do that kind of job. Whereas these little discs of wafers that you have that are filled with a little bit of oil and are activated with electricity, they can um, be highly tuned. And when they touch something and get sensory information from it, they also have a little bit more margin of error like mm -hmm. our fingers do. There's a reason our fingers are padded yeah, correct, as yeah. opposed to being chopsticks. Yeah. Is, is this true? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want you know? Do you want two big metal bars trying to grab you, or two plastic bags filled with oil? <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a lot safer with the second. There's a little bit more margin of error. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you have won some awards or competitions for good pitches, and you've been doing a good pitch today here at the KGNU Science Show. How on earth? But you know, are there? Is it defense groups contacting you? Is it industrial groups contacting you? What's your hope? Um, right now, we have a, a little bit of both of those uh, scenarios. Um, for for something like this, I mean, uh, the the basically our, our sort of competition in this sense is the traditional electromagnetic motors, um, which have been around for centuries, literally. Um, and so, it, kind of creating this sort of paradigm shift in in how robots and machines move, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and so, we're hoping that if we can kind of branch out right now and and kind of open to to any sort of application at the moment um, we can find something that's really a, 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 a home run application and uh, hopefully get people inspired you know Christmas is coming <laughs> <laughs> if people called you and said could we get a little disc of these right now would you be able to do that or is, is that another year or two away year or two away We'd say hang tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to our mailing list. We're 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 pretty close, but um, for like a sort of like a small order, if somebody just wanted to to buy a few of these things, um, that that's a little bit more difficult for us at the moment. Yes. So so you're still in that stage of having a very cool thing that you get to play with. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. But and someday maybe available to many people for many different reasons. Right. What is the name of your company? So our company is called Artemis Robotics, and that's a spin-out from the Keplinger Research Group. Okay, Artemis Robotics. What does that stand for? Artificial Muscles is Artemis. Oh, yes, yeah, Artificial Muscles. <laughs> so Artificial Muscles are what you've created here. And um, what is your plan for your futures, your PhD students? Mm -hmm. Are you going to make this your careers, do you think? 
Hopefully. Hopefully. So <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we actually just formed our company uh, within the last few weeks. We've been um, getting everything together to start up, and we officially formed. Uh, and we have our first customer actually right now. Um, it's more of a research slash commercial project, and then it's gonna help us kind of get off the ground, um, work out some of the kinks with this, you know, get it to where we can actually produce these for almost no money. They're reliable. You can buy them at a store, you know, and that's that's our hope that we'll have them out there in the next few years. So you could pick them up. Okay, well, here's to this project having plenty of muscles for doing all that you want. It's a very exciting project. We're glad that you've been here to share with us this intriguing technology. We've been speaking today with CU researchers from the College of Engineering. This is How on Earth, and our experts are Nick Calaris and Shane Mitchell. They are PhD students at CU Boulder working in the engineering department on robotic muscles, and their company is called Artemis. Yep. yep. Yes, well, good luck with Artemis. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Susan Moran. This week's show was produced and engineered by me. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KJNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KJNU Science Show. I'm Shelley Schlender.